When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Hokie Nation? Happy Monday morning. Well, you know, Hokie Weekend down in Charlotte didn't necessarily live up to all the hype, but it certainly was salvaged by a football win on Saturday, a thrashing over Boston College up in Chestnut Hill. We're talking basketball. We're talking football. It's episode 329 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, and it starts right now. We record on Monday, November 13th, 2023 from the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We got the entire football crew on set. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a like, comment, and subscribe. And hey, refer to the show, uh, refer the show to a friend as well, why don't you? Well, on set, we got to my right, lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our senior staff writer, Andy Bitter. In the fourth chair, managing editor, David Cunningham. The mustache man, Nick Brown, producing as always behind the scenes on your Monday, and I'm your host, Giovanni Heater. Fellas, Tech Sideline presented by First Bank and Trust Company. The TSL podcast, though, is also brought to you by Alumni Hall. It's the place to gear up for Hokies games. Located in the First and Main Shopping Center in Blacksburg, they've been serving Hokie fans for 15 years. Order your Hokies gear online at alumnihall.com. Well, basketball we'll get to later on in the show. Some fun showings, but but disappointing losses by both the men's and women's team, uh, nevertheless, down in the Queen City. But it was all salvaged by a big football win. Went on the road, took care of business against Boston College up in Chestnut Hill. 48-22 was the final score. Chris, we'll start with you. Immediate thoughts. Then, Andy, we want to hear about the trip as well. I was very confident all week that Virginia Tech was going to beat Boston College because I thought the Hokies' strengths aligned well with BC's weaknesses. Until about midnight Friday night, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, Virginia Tech has lost every big sporting event so far this weekend. Women's basketball, wrestling, so a couple of top 10 matchups in there, and then the men's basketball game too. So I'm like, now they're just going to go ahead and complete the circle. Not because they're like worse than BC, but just because, right? So that's the only time I wavered was after the men's game on Friday night. But nah, look, uh, Tech is, I thought Tech had some advantages in that, but there were also some things in the game that just kind of snowballed in, in Tech's direction. And to their credit, they forced some of it with the interceptions and, uh, and the onside kick and things like that. But uh, Boston College is a team, they've been kind of teetering on the brink. I mean, you hold the ball for for over 40 minutes in each of their last two games, but can't score more than like 17 points or 21 points. I mean, they've been... They've been beating bad teams barely by controlling the clock. There's a certain set of conditions that have to exist for BC to win. And I think you could say the same for Virginia Tech to a certain extent with with regards to Tech's offense. But uh, obviously those conditions were met on Saturday for Tech and they were not for Boston College. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, they, they proved they could do a couple things. They could win on the road. They can start fast. 
Uh, they can continue to, you know, put their foot on the neck of an opponent and just put them away for the game. I mean, it was a dominant performance, uh, you know, start to finish. I mean, it starts with that interception, Doreen Strong on the first play that really set the tone. I know they only get a field goal out of that, but I think they scored six touchdowns on six of seven drives at one point. Uh, they were just efficient. They kept moving the ball down the field. They kept scoring. They kept punching into the end zone, even when they got into the red zone, which is something they, they've had troubles with. Uh, ran the ball, ran it well, threw the ball effectively. I mean, it, it stopped the run. That was another thing. I mean, Castellanos had his second fewest rushing yards this season. Uh, that was a big concern, especially when you saw him early, kind of got out of the pocket, scrambled for a couple first downs. You go, okay, here you go. Here we go. It's, mm-hmm. This is this is how it happens. And they completely shut it down the rest of the game. It was a really impressive job start to finish. And, you know, I, I credit the coaching staff, too. They they got them up early. They roused them early in the morning. That was after the game prize. We did some things different in the in the pregame that, you know, we'll probably keep that internal. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this out of the players. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what they did <laughs> differently. And sure enough, the players are like, they had a 7.30 wake-up call normally. 7.13, they get a phone call waking them up. And they're like, oh, that must have been a mistake. That's 7.15. Every GA and analyst and staffer in the program is going up and down the hallway, just like banging on doors and rousing guys out of bed. So it was just sort of a shock to the system. They had high energy early, early morning meetings. They were clearly trying to do something different. Uh, ahead of this road game and uh, you know it worked whatever it was I don't know if they can expect an early wake-up call the next time they have a a game maybe they'll see that coming but uh, you know they came out energized they kept it through the entire game and it was a winning formula. Andy, to piggyback off your point, uh, I think most impressive was the fact that in five red zone trips, Virginia Tech put up four touchdowns. And I remember Ooh. sitting there thinking early in that ball game, you go down, you kick that field goal. And, and I'm watching the very beginning of the game while I'm at the gym, and I'm just, ah, oh, here we go. Like, man, you needed a touchdown there. And then and then that wasn't the case the rest of the game. They nailed it. Yeah, they got the field goal. Then BC drives down the field and scores. And I'm sitting there like, okay, they just ran it down Tech's throat. Tech had to settle for a field goal in the red zone. After it jumped off, a snap infraction on fourth and one. They're going to go for it. Exactly. You're kind of like, well, got the pick on the first play. But other than that, it's not going well. But then it really started going well after that. Started going, and then it was game over. Game over. <laughs> I was saying. Did you turn and say it? To I anybody? did not say it to anybody. I don't think anybody would have gotten that reference. When it was twenty-four to seven, that's when it I was got a lot over. of uh, <laughs> tweets and, and different uh, messages from people. It's like, when is it going to be game over in this one? I'm like, I don't trust the defense quite yet, but at a certain points, like, yep, this one's over. How was the trip? All in all, a fun, a fun uh, trip up to Chestnut Hill for you? Great trip. I, I bought tickets to the uh, the Celtics yeah, game on that. Friday night. Uh, I said, I said, ah, I asked for the tech sideline seats. And this is where they put me. And some people came. I was like, is that really where tech sideline seats? And I'm like, no, I bought those seats. Those aren't actual tech sideline seats. Uh, so no, that was a good time. I I hadn't been down there. They've really built up that whole area. I got like the full Boston experience. Yeah. Uh, just like the saltiness of some of the people. I was in a bar beforehand and I'll edit the language for this, for the uh, <laughs> podcast here. Uh, Sullivan's tap across the street. And I'm having a couple beers before the game. And one of the bartender goes to another one. It's like, somebody just came up to me. They asked for a water because they're trying to be responsible. I'm like, it's six freaking 22. I mean, there's responsible, but come on. It's like, this is my kind of town. These people are uh, heavy drinkers up there. So uh, it was a, it was a good time Friday night. The game was enjoyable. Met up with Nate Crossman, former uh, Virginia tech uh, beat writer, Lynchburg news in advance when I was there after the game. So 
Uh, full Boston experience. I got it. Awesome. How many uh, How many bowls of that New England clam chowder did you I hammer? hit three. Okay. And uh, if I would have pushed it to four, it would have been uncomfortable. Okay. I, I might have been in a coma for the, the, the entire game. So it was three pregame. I crushed it, uh, felt good about it, and then it's like, all right, maybe three was too many. I think three is the limit. I don't know if I could do four. Did they... Keep it out throughout. You know how the media meal usually goes away. Was it, there any was halftime there. snack? Was they there? had like cookies and stuff at halftime. Okay. I, I can't remember if the chowder was still out there okay. at that point. But uh, you got to hit it early. Yeah, yeah. Because I was wondering if this is something you do like two, come back for a halftime bowl. Uh, but but no, it was I, went, all I went three pregame. I just plowed through in the pregame. I'm like, I'm hitting this number. There we I'm go. Hitting this number. <laughs> How about Kyron drones? I mean, just unbelievable. Really engineered the offense, arguably to perfection, you could say. Uh, 219 yards through the air came out to begin the fourth quarter. Always good if your quarterback just literally doesn't have to play 15 minutes of football, right? Also, 135 rushing yards. I mean, a dominant performance out of KD1. Tech came out their first two drives and threw the ball 40% of the time, um, which, you know. 60-40 run pass split obviously still favors the run, but they only came away with three points on those drives. And it, their next, what, three drives, they scored touchdowns. And there was one point in those three drives where they ran the ball on 16 consecutive plays. And out of 19 total plays on those drives, they, they ran it, or excuse me, 22 total plays on those drives, they ran it 19 times. Soon as they got the run established, that like after the 16 straight runs was the touchdown pass to Gosnell. So it's like they established the run and then they they threw off the run. And the Virginia Tech offense is just a much more efficient offense throwing the football if they've established the run in advance. And it's interesting. I you know I was running some Kyron Drones numbers this past weekend. His three best games passing the ball as a Virginia Tech starter, he's averaged just. I think it's 21.6 pass attempts per game. I've compared him to Hendon Hooker as a redshirt sophomore. So I went back and looked at Hendon Hooker's numbers from 2019. In games that Hooker started and finished that year, he averaged 21.4 pass attempts per game. So Tech is throwing the ball. The ideal offensive situation for Tech is throwing the ball just over 20 times per game. Actually, Drones' two most efficient games He's thrown it 17 times and 19 times. And it's not that, you know, he can't throw or pass or anything like that. It's just it makes him and the offense so much more effective if there's a running game that's established. So I think, you know, enough evidence is built up now with this Virginia Tech offense that you can look at the box score and see the number of passes that, that Virginia Tech is throwing. If it's a certain number, that means the running game is going well. That means they are not behind the change. That means they are not uh, not playing at a deficit on the scoreboard, and they're, they're able to really rely on that running game. And uh, and I think that's where the offense needs to live. And if the offense can live there, Kyron Jones is an extremely effective quarterback. I mean, look at these numbers. I mean, 12 of 17 for 219 yards. That's an incredible yard score attempt yeah. number. Yeah. And then obviously against Boston College, you know, 135 rushing yards. We talked about that before the game. We thought Virginia Tech was going to lean heavy on the run, especially the quarterback run, because that's BC's strength. BC came in outside the top 100 in rush defense, but they came in top 20 in pass defense. Virginia Tech's 
you know, kind of the opposite on offense where they can really run it, but you don't want to put them in obvious passing situations. So they came out and established the run. Because they established the run, they were able to be highly efficient uh, throwing the football. So, yeah, I thought I thought Drones played a great game. I thought the coaching staff put him in the right position to, to play a great game. And it was just you, – you could see – it became obvious in that point that Virginia Tech was in control. You could see the body language of the Boston College players at some point say, we're done. Like, there's just no way we're going to win this game. It was evident watching the game on television. I, I think early on you could see they really put trust in drones in the running game. I mean, how many quarterback draws? Just not even right. read plays, just straight quarterback draws where he'd hesitate for a second and then run it straight ahead. And, you know, they played ahead of the sticks because of that. It was third and four, third and one, third and two. I mean, last last week we were talking about 32, 27, yeah. 17. I mean, they just they put themselves in manageable situations. They were able to to – extend drives, you know, keep Boston College off the field like that. And I you know, I think Drones was a tough runner in that game. He he moved the sticks, he was falling forward, he was a real load. You know, you get him fourth and short and all of a sudden the whole playbook's open. And all of a sudden you put the ball in Drones' hands and he can make something happen. And then you get some big plays after that. He had the fifty nine yard run where uh, you know I think they faked a pitch to the left and then he ran back to the right and there was just nobody there. Uh, a big run that direction. Uh, he had the wherewithal that BC jumped off sides. He throws a deep ball to Daquan Felton, who made a great catch, and then even better run after the catch where he's kind of spinning around and, and, and uh, uh, dragged the guy with him for a little bit. So uh, just a, a great start to finish offensive game for the Hokies here. Tech averaged eight yards per play on first down. Those, you know, so they're in a lot. Two point three last week, exactly, and 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 I think it was like eight yards per play the week before against Syracuse, wasn't it? It was something like that. Yeah, their average third down uh, this week that needed to go was six point one yards. Right. Last week it was thirteen point three. Right. So that tells you how bad they were on first and second down. But they hit thirteen point three yards it, every third it, down. Exactly. You know, so uh, on third and three or shorter, Tech was five of six on third down conversions. Third and four through seven, they were two of four. Third and eight or longer, they were one of five, which makes sense. The closer you are to the first down marker on third down, the it's more really simple you are when you think about it. Sometimes, right? <laughs> it really is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just I thought I mean, obviously, tech when you put up six hundred yards of offense, you you're pretty much effective on every down. But you know, I, I think first down, tech averaged eight yards per play. Second down, they averaged six point one yards per play. Uh, the funny thing is on third down, they actually did average 11.9 yards per play on third down. That's impressive yeah. because third down was kind of an issue coming. Was that Grant game. Wells run on third down? Might have been. That yeah. boost the total there? It probably True. did. Yeah. I think the Felton play was on third down too. It might have been. I believe yeah. you're correct. Yeah. So that would have been, well, yeah, so the Felton play, I don't remember the down and distance. I think it was like third and eight or something. They then jumped that, then that would have been their one play. I think it was. And it was a 70-yarder? Yes, 70 on the dot. Yep. I mean, they had 600 yards of offense, and the last time they had 600 yards of offense was that ODU game in 2018. (laughs) Like, the weirdest statistical anomaly is, like, you had 600 yards of offense and lost to games? Like, yes, that's how bad that, that game was. It's the Felton play. All right, shades of I don't I don't know how many people watching this podcast remember this, but the 1999 Virginia Tech UVA game. Michael Vick on the opening drive hits – uh, Andre Davis for a touchdown and it's one of those deep balls that is really far over Davis's head and he had to reach out and literally catch the ball with his fingertips it's a play that stands out from 
1999 where a whole lot of plays stood out. And that's what that play reminded me of. It had Victor Davis vibes wow. from just how the ball was caught. Like he caught it on his fingertips way out in front of him. And the other thing I'll say about that play is going into this game, Drones was four of 27 passing on plays where the ball had to travel 20 yards downfield this year. So it's not a high completion number. Now he had three touchdowns on those four completions, right? right. But it, it had not been a high percentage play for Virginia Tech this year. So every, every time you, you, know, you see him wind up for a deep ball, you're like, here's a low percentage play. But like when it works, it's generally to Felton, and 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 it's a huge play every time he does it. That Felton play was third and six. Third and six. Okay, yeah. I found I found the play calling to really be exceptional. Now, with that being said, you're playing a very porous defense. I understand that, and sometimes they do make things easy. But just every time you're hammering it with the run, right? And, and so many nice misdirection things like that fake pitch, and then Kyron goes for the long one. That's a really nice play, and that's more to Kyron because he had options on that play mm. um, and he chose to tuck it and run but the one that really stood out to me was the the touchdown to Jalen Lane where I mean just perfect timing you're hammering it down their throat they're going to stuff the run and I mean Jalen Lane is wide open to walk into the end zone that's just that's mixing it up to perfection right there I thought so uh, 16 I think it was 16 straight running plays at that point and then I think Jalen Lane uh, you know he could teach a clinic on a Pick plays, right? Unlike the last Gosnell week. one, yeah, he that ran the, too. the the flag yeah. route there and yeah, just like yeah. ran through his the, guy, and kept exactly. running the route, didn't mm-hmm. stop, didn't turn around and kind of look to see if like did I get the flag on that? It's like no, it was perfect. Nope, it was Gosnell perfect. was wide. It's like how did he get that open? It's like oh, they ran an effective pick play on this. Yep. Gosnell's no, first like, tutty, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they was first career well touchdown. Earned. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but like regarding the play call and your overall point, I agree. But I th- also think. When you've got the right scheme and you've got the right game planning throughout the week and you go into it with the right strategy, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't better play callers than others, but uh, I think the main thing, I think running the right scheme makes your play calling a lot easier. And I've not had an issue with Virginia Tech's play calling at all ever since they changed the scheme. My only issue, my only gripe would be probably against Louisville, they could have got drones outside the pocket more. Mm-hmm. But uh, that game, that game fell off from the very beginning that, you know, it's the sad. you're kind of grasping at straws at some point. But, but you know, on the whole, it's like I said, it's amazing how much better your play calling is when you run the right scheme. And another, uh, you know, there's some tough running in mm-hmm. that game too. You look at Bayshaw Tootin, a couple of the touchdowns that he had where he just kind of kept churning the legs and getting in. It felt like BC was a broken team by the end. That Malachi Thomas touchdown run, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think David hit the buy sell on that one. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is the first this week the we first... took it out oh, because because okay. it hadn't hit, it and hadn't I just hit. figured Aww. I'm just tallying losses for okay. you guys. I'm not going to put it in. Well, that was about the easiest. Like he got by, yeah. and, and like I think some of the blockers get out there. Like there's nothing for me to do here. I could just you know you're you're like a wingman just running along the side of this jet going to the end zone. I mean, I, I feel like BC <laughs> was just demoralized by the end of that game by the way the tech was playing offense against us which hasn't happened a whole lot for virginia tech lately it's probably a pretty good feeling can't hammer home enough how great of a fine facial tootin was out of the transfer portal i mean he was he committed to huge. bc i he forgot was about that to Boston College. chris tweeted it and i'm yep. like that's right i forgot about that sure was yeah incredible well how about this i i, I saw this on twitter and obviously this is the topic of conversation and, and it's worth bringing up i screenshotted it here so virginia tech and north carolina both went out and Miami beats Louisville on Saturday. Now, not an easy feat. Louisville's very good. But if anybody can, Miami's one of those teams that could stir the pot. 
Then Virginia Tech makes the ACC championship game. Yeah, you might need to forget about this fever dream from actually happening. Yeah. There's no but chance. But it's not as hard as I thought. Oh, like, there's only two games left, so of course it's not that complicated. Right but now, it would I'm, take like North Carolina. North Carolina is not going to beat Clemson this week. They got Clemson left, and then after that, they got NC State. They're not going to beat NC State. And see, the, the team that is always expected to win that game ends up losing. And also, I don't think Louisville is going to lose to Miami because UNC can barely beat a team with no quarterback. They gave up 45 points to a team with no quarterback this past week. Well, right. like how many Brennan po- Armstrong hasn't been great, and he's unbenched now. That uh, If Tech gets through this week and it's still a realistic possibility, then I think you can talk about it. But right now, it's like six different things need to happen for this. Like, yeah, it's, I, I it's would so probably unlikely. not worry about that. Uh, five games. And I, look, right now, I'm not, I'm not too keen on playing any sporting event in Charlotte right now. To be honest, Fair. Charlotte might be the new Heinz Field. Five games, and are any of those even better than a 50-50 proposition of right, happening? Right. It's, Some of them are much lower than that. So I think the least likely of all of it to happen is actually, I, I like Carolina to win out more than I like Miami to beat Louisville. I think Louisville's kind of a freight train. At I the don't moment. think North Carolina's winning. Carolina's very capable of winning out, but they've been very capable of doing a lot more under Mac Brown than they have. <laughs> it's true. So. No doubt about it. No doubt. All right. Well, it was worth bringing up. It was. It was definitely worth. Just bringing so we could shoot it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Let's uh, let's take a look at these buy or sell results because it was it was kind of a wild week. Um, you guys did a lot good, but then you did a, did a lot where we completely missed the boat. All four of us sitting on the set uh, were way off. So well, how could we not have seen 600 yards of offense wow. coming? Everything, right. everything was idiots. pointing that direction after the Louisville game. <laughs> I mean, you guys just kept hammering home for those that, that might not have watched the preview episode. You were like, low-scoring, rock-fight, defensive yeah. battle. Last time you guys said that was the pit game, and we had an offensive explosion. But when's the last time Virginia Tech... And Boston College played a pretty game in Chestnut Hill. So it's not uh, like Tech fans have this. The 2019 game was high scoring. Didn't they score 45? A lot, yeah. of, turn, a lot of turnovers. It wasn't pretty game. from a Tech fan perspective. They scored a lot of points. They, they, say they, that. They, yeah, 28. But, but like mm. the main thing is like whenever Tech wins in Boston College, it's ugly. And most of the time, even when they lose, it's ugly. So even though Tech was 4-3 and three against BC in its last seven games at BC, Tech fans went into this game thinking, oh, it's at Boston College, we're going to lose. And I'm like, you've literally won over 50% of your games there over the last seven, but you think you're going to lose just because all the wins were ugly. Well, what, the over-under was in the like 44 or something like that. They scored 70 points. So Vegas didn't see this one coming either. Right, so. no doubt. <laughs> Very unusual, this result. Well, as always, Tech Sideline is presented by First Bank and Trust Company. As our presenting sponsor, First Bank and Trust Company's support has been invaluable to TSL, helping us to bring you all this great content across all of our platforms. Who you choose to bank with can make all the difference. Bank with First Bank and Trust Company. Visit firstbank.com to learn more. All right, let's start at the top of our buy-sell results. First and foremost, everybody started with a big fat X. 0-1 on the week. Virginia Tech, two or more sacks. Tech didn't have a single Ooh. sack. They were close. Was APR was so close to getting number 10. Yes. And they, his knee was just off the ground. Yeah, and he threw it away. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I, I, you look at this, the, the box score and you're like, okay, the reason that they didn't get sacks is one, BC runs the football, but two, really just lack of opportunity. I mean, Tech was dominating the game. Uh, so it just didn't feel like the opportunity was there as much. So uh, everybody started 0-1 because everyone thought they would get two or more sacks. Uh, Virginia Tech forces a turnover. Everybody bought it. Virginia Tech in One play it. in, that one cashed yeah. right away. Yeah. That's, that's a great feeling. <laughs> that was immediate. Uh, Castellano, 16 or more carries. Everybody bought it. He only had 11. 
They did leave the game. Yeah, they took him out late <laughs> in the game. Yeah, that probably didn't help. Vegas, yep. what? A, but Vegas, if you get and they injured, were down, you play they were, a snap. They oh, were and down, they, so we had and to they throw only had the ball twenty four minutes. Yeah. So remember, they had the time of possession was like 35, 36 to twenty four, basically, in, in Virginia Tech's favor. Their previous two games, Boston College was at over forty minutes, and and another game almost 45 minutes. Like, they're literally having the ball two-thirds to three-quarters of their previous two games, and Virginia Tech totally turned the tables on them this week. And so, like, yeah, the the, the offensive numbers for Boston College, you're just not going to have as many opportunities. But on the on the other side of it, you're not going to have as many opportunities as for sacks right. for, like, Tech's defense. Boston College throws the ball 29 or more times. Everybody sold it, and you guys uh, you guys were right. 27 times was the amount that they sold it, so close. Boston College, 205 or more rushing yards. Chris and Andy both sold it. David bought it. It didn't hit. They had 124 yards on the ground as a squad. Finally, like a normal game of rushing yards <laughs> right. for the That's Tech defense. It's either like zero or 300. It's never like 124. And what, you know, 124, week. that's, you know, 77 yards, I think, under their season average. Mm-hmm. or More than that, I'm doing the math wrong. I think it's 87 yards under their season average. I mean, they did a good job. They called it uh, caging the rabbit mm-hmm. is what they called it afterwards. It's like just not letting him get loose. And he only, Castellanos got loose a little bit early on, but they did a pretty good job of, you know, containing him, keeping him in the pocket, making him throw the ball away. So impressive job by that defense. Boston College, 195 or more passing yards. Everybody sold it. You were all right. They had 138 yards through the air. Castellanos accounts for three or more touchdowns. Everybody sold it. You guys were right. He had one touchdown uh, on the day. Kyron Drones accounts for three or more touchdowns. Everybody sold it. You guys were right. He had two on the day. That's a shame because he deserved a rushing touchdown. That did not seem like it fit the the, the way the game played out there. Well, Basial Tootin had three himself. Yeah, he did. So, um, and then... Speaking of which, Basial to an anytime touchdown. Uh, Chris bought it. Andy bought it. David actually sold it to stir the pot a little bit. Well, he had three. So uh, the three was just rubbing it in. At yeah, that point. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. John loved three or more field goals. Chris and Andy bought it. David sold it. David was right. He only had two in the ball game. One of them was a long one though. I was not expecting this kind of red zone efficiency from Virginia Tech in this yeah, game. I don't think I was us. feeling pretty good about that after the start where mm-hmm. they had to settle for one of the. I'm like, okay, this is going to catch easily. Gonna, yeah, no yep. chance. <laughs> how much? Be honest with you. How much are you actually thinking about buy or sell when you're doing the game, or when you're oh, when, when, you're, when stuff happens? I'm thinking about you're it. You're thinking about it. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, that one's going to hit. That <laughs> nice. one's going to hit right here. <laughs> nice. We have uh, a guy who who. Might end up getting in the mix here a little bit as a student intern, uh, Raza, and I didn't realize he, he's one of our good friends, works for 3304 and stuff, covers the games. You you guys know him. And uh, he plays, and I didn't realize, and he sent me his screenshots, and he's like, going to be a wild week on the podcast. <laughs> like, other people are playing by or sell w- along with that's us, funny. so that's kind of fun. Uh, Virginia Tech, 200 or more passing yards. Everybody sold it. Hokies hit. They had 237 through the air as a squad, and uh, Grant Wells got into the mix with 18 yards of his own. When you have a 70-yarder, that one's probably going to hit. That helps. Yeah, yeah, it should hit. It helps, yep. for sure. Kyron Drones, 14 or more carries. Everybody bought it. He did. He had 20 carries in the ball game. Kyron Drones, 60 or more rushing yards. Everybody bought it, and uh, he doubled up and then some. He had 135. He had 59 on, on one play, so that... That helps. <laughs> that, 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 that. So, so was that Tech's second longest run from scrimmage this year? The fifty-nine yarder run, running play. 
Well, now it is. Right, right. At the time, it was it was the highest, and then Wells's sixty yarder was the highest. So imagine a game where you have your two highest, your two longest runs from scrimmages for the season in the same game. That's how dominant Virginia Tech was. Both by quarterbacks. Both by quarterbacks. quarterbacks. Exactly. So bizarre. <laughs> Virginia Tech, five plays of 20 or more yards. Chris sold it. Andy sold it. David sold it. They had seven plays Dang. of 20 or more yards. Impressive. That, was a, brutal, that was a brutal hit there. That, was, <laughs> that one was going to be over early, it felt like. Yeah. Jalen Lane, two or more carries. Uh, Chris sold it. Andy sold it. David did buy it. Uh, no carries for Jalen Lane. It's the only thing Virginia Tech didn't do in the running game was like the They didn't need to. It was interesting. And the reason I picked the number two is because I was looking through about half the games he has two carries and about half the games he has zero carries. So he's either doing it or not. And he's not like doing just one play. It's usually two plays, which is just kind of bizarre. Um, so that's kind of why I picked that number. Jalen Lane, 55 or more receiving yards. Despite having a touchdown, he only had 32 yards through the air. Chris sold it. Andy and David both bought it. Obviously, it didn't hit. Quan Felton, three or more catches. Chris sold it. Andy sold it. David bought it. David was right. He had four catches. Uh, and obviously, one of them was a 70-yarder. Kelly Lawson, seven or more tackles. You guys nailed this one. Everybody sold it. He only had two. So you saw that downward trend, and uh, that pointed you in the right direction. APR sack, so close. Everybody bought it for his 10th sack, and instead... A donut for the Hokies in the sack department. Inches away. Yeah, yeah. literally inches away. Virginia Tech, th- 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 this one was fun here. Virginia Tech goes better than 45% on third down. Everybody sold it. They went 7 of 15 for 46%. Wow. wow. That's a line right Dang, there, baby. It really is. That's a line right there. I was proud of that one. That's, yeah. I was proud of that be. one. Tech goes for it on fourth down two or more times. Chris bought it. Andy bought it. David sold it, and they did. They went two of two. So that one hit right on the line. Two of two, and they lined up for another one that didn't count. True. The snap infraction. That's, That's right. so so technically that could have been, but but the stat sheet, the box score right. read two, two of two. two. Virginia Tech, 23 or more points. Chris bought it. Andy and David sold it. They dropped a 48 piece. That wasn't even true at halftime. I don't even feel good about getting that one right because I, I picked him to score 23 points. We need, we need, we got always be red shirting. <laughs> yeah. And on top of Andy, we need, this one is over, but game we need the OVA game yeah. over. There we go. <laughs> Virginia Tech goes 50% or better on touchdown to field goals in the red zone. Everybody sold it. And I said to you guys, I was like, man. I, I, I'm going to laugh when this one hits four touchdowns on five trips in the red zone. And the funny part is, is as we talked about, the first one was the one that didn't hit. It mm-hmm. was it was the John Love field goal on the uh, first drive following the interception. And then after that, they were lights out uh, within the 20. The over under the over uh, ended up hitting. It was forty nine and a half. Everybody picked the under the over killed you guys. Uh in dramatic fashion, considering it was 49 and a half and the Hokies scored 48 themselves. And should have had more. They had a punt return called back for a touchdown. They had the Wells fumble at the end. Like, as, as, as lopsided this game was, it wasn't even as close as the score. It should have been a much uh, bigger I mean, margin of victory. That punt return, you're right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, what was it? They call the block in the back. It was a clear, side? Bl- clear block in the back. Yeah. And, and it yeah. did spring lane. Uh, oh, in, for in sure. Because yeah. he was about to get colli- colliding with the two guys mm-hmm. and it completely freed him up. But Lane made a couple nice moves to get through there. It's impressive that they have two guys that are capable of that. We, we talk about that there. before the season. Like, yeah. how do you pick one? Why and wasn't I Tucker back there? He was banged up a okay. little bit this yeah. week. So, gotcha. And he got back there late in the game and, and actually muffed one when a, a, I didn't see exactly what happened. Again, if his own teammate kind of ran into him. Yeah, that didn't really show Great replay of it, I don't think. I also wasn't paying as close attention yeah, at that point. I wasn't I was just kind of like celebrating yeah, at that yeah, point. Enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I remember putting in uh, our group chat, I was like, you know what? Let that, yes, please have that muffed punt happen in this Boston College game because it doesn't matter. Oh, and if yeah. he's going to muff one this year, I'm fine with it being in this game. We're already, well, I'm you know, sure Stu Holt's like, this is a good teaching point. I'd rather have this teaching point in a, you know, 20. Six point win, whatever it ended up being, then uh, you know a tight game where that's the difference in the outcome. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Virginia Tech wins. Chris bought it. Andy bought it. David sold it in his prediction. You had you had the Eagles. Uh, Virginia Tech did indeed win. And then I didn't count it in points because it just felt a little unfair considering Andy set his own line and everyone's like, well, we got to agree with that. But uh, Andy, three or more bowls of clam chowder. He hit it right on the money. That one hit with three. With three. So another good line. That time it was set uh, by Andy. So you look at the final standings on the week and then where we sit all time. Chris had the best week. He went 15 and 10, which was impressive. David struggled a little bit, 10 and 15. Andy was very steady, though, 13 and 12. So you Mm. were in the plus. You were in the plus. All time is where it gets very fun. Will is still in last. He's 9 and 10 all time on the one show he was on, 47%. David, 32, 29, and one all time. I basically got rid of the one when calculating. David's 52% uh, when when guessing correct. And this is where the pot has really been stirred. Chris is 38 and 24 all time. That's good for 62%. He had a big week. Andy's 50 and 31. Also good for 62%. Oh, wow. Oh, well, dang. So the two studs on set are completely tied in buy or sell with uh, two weeks with left two of the season. Left. This hey. game is on. Hey, hey. It's not over. It's on. The bowl game might be like end up being a tiebreaker or something. There we go. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad we ended up making this, this shift to, to win percentage because uh, things definitely just got very, very interesting. Uh, fellas, all in all, you know, let's kind of put an end cap on uh, on this football here. Let's hear from David in the fourth chair. Uh, D, kind of how we feeling uh, on the football side of things. Yeah, um, good. I mean, I just tried to be different and buy ourselves. So that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, uh, I don't know if I have anything to lose. See, you're going downhill <laughs> since we changed the rules and you don't get to pick last all the time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Not, I mean. I don't know. I was, just I was trying to change it up on purpose because if, if, I mean, there were times like whatever, Chris. I, mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't really care. But, um, I was trying to be different. Um, I was just, I was just running the numbers. Um, Virginia Tech averaged eight yards on first down this week. Um, in the last four games, Wake Forest Tech averaged nine yards per play on first down. Against Syracuse, it was eight. Against Louisville, it was two point three, and then Boston College, it was eight. You look at those first five games. 3, 6.0, 5.2, 3.3. And then that Florida State game, it jumped up to 6.6. So, like, you know, Tech has averaged in three of the last last three wins, Tech has averaged um, eight or more yards on first down, which I think is pretty impressive when you look at it that way. Um, 
on in I think you guys will find this interesting in uh in wins Virginia Tech on third down is 35 of 75 that's 47%. In losses Tech is 13 of 64 which is 20%. Wow. So big difference, and I think a lot of that has to do with, as we talked about last week, uh, where Tech is uh, behind the sticks. Um, I did get a question about Kyron Drones. This is from Ranger Sam on the boards. Um, he said, group's thoughts today on the future of VT's quarterback. Is If Drones is our model big, strong, with thro- with throwing touch, do we, re- do we recruit bigger quarterbacks to handle the carries and workload or use a Tyrod Taylor style and hope they stay healthy? You would, uh, you know, if, if Pop... You know, let's fast forward to the next season when you assume Watson's going to be the backup. You'd have to change styles a little bit if Watson had to come into the game because you probably can't have a 20-carry game with, with Watson. You know, he's about 190 pounds. He's going to physically look like Castellanos, you know, when he taps out, you know, once he gets another year or two in, in the weight room. But, you know, he's, he's not going to be a 20-carry-a-game guy, I don't think. So you'd have to adjust the type. Like, if you're going to run... If you're going to run your quarterback, like Tech runs drones between the tackles, like a battering ram, like they ran Logan Thomas. Um, I think you probably run Pop or a guy like Pop a little more to the outside, per se. Um, And your read option plays are targeted to the outside with your running, or excuse me, to the outside with your quarterback and to the inside with your running back. So I think you reverse some things, and he doesn't have quite as many carries, or at least just not as many design carries. But but you don't have to you don't have to change the 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 scheme or anything like that. You just tweak how exactly how you use the player. Um, ideally, you'd like to have your backup be the exact same type as your starter, but that's not always realistic. I'm, I'm, I say recruit talent and sort it out later. Like adjust your offense to what you have. Some of these coaches are just like I I can only coach in this certain system, or we're going to recruit the same guys. Like you're not going to get the same kind of talent all the time. Like Michael Vick was different from Brian Randall, was different from Tyrod Taylor. Adjust it to the skills that you have on this team. And if you you put yourself in a box offensively, and then something goes wrong, and you can't you know duplicate that success. I mean you you have to switch it around. You have to play to your strengths. You're not always going to have a strong receiver core in a single season or a strong offensive line or maybe your running backs or quarterbacks a little bit less mobile than it is really good coaches and offensive coordinators can adjust to that so I, I always like ah, is this the type they're going for it's like I think you want the talented type and then you figure out the rest later I, I will say this this kind of spurred my interest a little bit because I, I was curious looking at the types of quarterbacks they're recruiting obviously pot smaller or pop excuse me smaller speedier Davy Belfort kind of the same thing not a big guy but you fast forward to 2024 uh, and the quarterbacks that they have offered 6'1", 6'3", 6'3", 6'5", 5'11", 5'10", 6'2 More of a Kyron Drones type well, frame. You, you mean 2025 because Belfort's the 2024. Uh, I'm on. He Is he? Yeah, I guess. Tech, Tech, has yes. a, Tech also has a commitment from a quarterback in the 2025. Is that Keldon Ryan? Yeah, from, uh, from Texas. Right. I, I forget his exact size. Also, let's not forget that you know, how many straight transfers have they had yeah, starting yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we right. can talk about they are offering in high school. It's like, you, well, you, they're going to bring in a transfer and he's going to start. That, you, that's how it's worked lately. You're even talking about like Pop Watson. Like, let's say my dream happens and Virginia Tech actually has the same starting quarterback for multiple seasons in a row, which it's setting up to happen of Kyron Drones being a three-year starter. <laughs> you're jinxing it by I, saying God, this. I know. I'm sorry in advance, Kyron. But, uh, 
you're talking about Pop Watson not starting until he's a redshirt junior. How many guys these days wait around to do that? Right. You know, so I, I think I understand, like, the overall question. Yes, Virginia Tech, you're going to recruit a mobile quarterback. That's the system I think Virginia Tech need, needs, needs to run. Um, but, you know, digging down into it this year and saying who's the right fit and is it going to be this quarterback, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Who knows if it's going to be a high school player? Who knows if it's going to be a portal guy? Right now, I'm counting on drones as, as the quarterback for the next two seasons. But you got to make sure you do have a capable backup. But, I, but you don't have to change the offense with, uh, with Pop Watson. You, just, you, you change probably where his runs are targeted and how many design runs you call for him. But the offense itself doesn't change. Stat time with Scott Glessner. Well, I was yeah. gonna say I have a trivia question for you guys. Okay. Let's do it. So this was the third time since 1987 Virginia Tech had two different players with a long of 59 or more yards, a rush long of 59 or more yards in a game. Obviously, Kyron Jones and Grant Wells both had a run of 59 yards or longer. Three other games. One was in 2010. One was in 93, and one was in. 94. Sorry, one was in 95 and one was in 96. Uh, 2010, which no. game would, do you think it was? Wake Forest. No. No. Hmm. Yeah, this is all before my time covering okay. um, the beat. So yeah, I got I I, I'm trying to... I'm, I'm struck. 2010, I know they played Boise State and lost and James Madison, and they lost. It was a home game. It was a home game? Tech won 45-21. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, they scored 50 in the 50s against Wake, so it wouldn't have been that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was Central Michigan. Ah, okay. David Wilson and Tyrod Taylor had a 68 and 72 yard mm. rushing. Uh, in 1996, Ken Oxendine and Marcus Parker uh, eat 71 yard long, 73 yard long. Temple? Yes. Uh, mm. 30, 38 nothing. I don't know yes. how I remember that. That's and, impressive. Chris. And Chris from 1995, Virginia Tech put up 77 yard, 77 points against this team. That's got to be Rutgers. Akron. Are you Akron? 77 to 27. Yes. Oh wow. Marcus Parker and Ken Oxendine, 59-68 again. I, I, yes, and that would have been my pick. So the crazy thing is, neither one of those games were televised, and I still I don't know how I just <laughs> yeah. Narrated by the great voice of Bill Roth and Mike Burnham. Yes. Chris Chris yeah, knew exactly what was going on. Yep. That's that's high quality play by play. All right, we going uh, stats with Scott Glessner, fellas. Let's let uh, let's let uh, Andy kick us off here at the top. We start at the very top. Yeah, we'll start at the top. This was the Virginia Tech's fourth straight game against Boston College, where BC's first drive had a turnover. So that, so that's an obviously going to be when the next time Tech plays Boston College, that'll be your buy sell. Oh, yeah. yeah. There we go. I'm there trying to think. Go. Last year, Armani Chapman had the early one. What was the one? Did oh, the, the year before? Oh, was, was it Jerkovic Dor- threw the pick in the end zone that Strong then fumbled coming out yeah, of the end zone? That might have been it. Because we brought that up because Dorian yeah. played so well. By yeah. the way, Dorian having an all-ACC oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, type we need to season. Talk like first-team all-ACC seven type season. opposing quarterbacks are 7 of 24 with one touchdown, three interceptions, and 76 total yards when they're targeting him. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. is QB rating against. If you use the NFL I mean, I model, is fourteen point two. Yeah, and, and Tech does not intercept the ball very much, and he does it more than anybody. Obviously, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, he's he really like 
the way the voting goes with that stuff, people will look at interceptions. Correct. First. So he's got two now. He's up tied for fifth or eighth, something like that in the ACC. So he's in the conversation there. But if you looked at the advanced stats or some of the more deeper stats and pro football focus and stuff like that, he's easily first team all ACC this year. Yeah, That'll I, be my inside the numbers later this week. I, lo- I looked it up. FBS cornerbacks who have played a minimum of 50% of the snaps this season. He leads the nation in fewest receptions allowed, reception, reception percentage, and he's second in yards allowed. He's allowed seven in, seven receptions on 24 passes targeted, um, and he's only allowed 76 total yards. He'll he's, get honorable mention because nobody pays any attention to stuff like that. He's got us. three picks. He had one against ODU as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the tied for tied for eighth, I think. Third, tied for fifth, I think. I think he's tied for eighth in pass breakups. Gotcha. Gotcha. Absolute stud. Chris, you want to hit us with the next stat? Since 1995, when Virginia Tech has a field goal on their first drive, they are 28-8. and eight. Pretty impressive. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I don't either. No doubt. All right, well, since 1994, when Virginia Tech has forced a turnover on an opponent's first drive, they are 38-6. and six. Well, I mean, that, that, would, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you start with a, with a turnover, usually you put yourself in a good spot. David, you want to hit us with the next one? Sure. Um, but I don't. I number four, four I was not following. List. Okay. Uh, last week, Virginia Tech scored three points and then followed up with forty-eight points. The previous time, they scored three points. They followed it up with forty-eight points That's in twenty twenty-one. Wow. That's just weird. So, yeah, That's so weird. So there's oh, three against BC and then and 48 oh, and against Andy, that was And a then Fuente got fired. <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know. Don't, don't Jim, think Pry will be getting fired today. A lot of Jimbo Fisher uh, uh, similarities. <laughs> to the, you know, they beat the heck out of Mississippi State. And then a couple days later, they're like, we'll give you $77 million to go away. And then Mississippi State Great fired. Great deal. Yeah, Mississippi <laughs> State fired their coach. It's like, well, you just lost by a million points to the guy who just got fired. Yeah, so we should like, probably, we probably fire you should too. do it, too. It's probably time. Game over. Game over. Virginia Tech's last win without recording a sack was 2017, and it was against Boston College on the road. They won it 23-10 to that day in Chestnut Hill. Virginia Tech had lost their previous 10 games when not recording a sack. That includes Louisville last week. That, that makes was, sense. That was such a boring game, that 27th. Like, they got up and then just kind of, like, cruised. Yeah, I mean, that was the Sean Savoy game. That, that's the, the only thing I remember was the one. RPO touchdown to Sean Savoy. Yeah, I think he had 100 yards in that mm-hmm. game or close to it, and then B.C., that might have been the – that wasn't the game over uh, game, but it was one where uh, BC ran out like a trick play late, I think. And uh, in the press box, you don't always have just media up there. Sometimes there's like some donors or something to get in there. It's like a trick play to the wide receiver who's going to throw it deep. Uh, and once the play started breaking, the guy was like wide open down the field. And this guy just blurts out the press box. He goes, he's wide open. Just like screams <laughs> oh, the no. press box. They completed. They didn't score a touchdown on that play, but they did complete it. But I think that was one of the only offensive plays that they had in that game. Yeah. They teach us, uh, they teach us in class to not do things like that when in a press box. And yeah. It's, it, it's, you know. If you were an accredited media member, you would probably get kicked out for something like that. But, right. You know, if you're a fan donor, they'll be like, okay, let's maybe not do that. Right. 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 Chris, you want to hit us for the next one? Yeah. I won't read the entire paragraph because a lot going it's, on. There. It's, it's a lot going on here, yeah. but the last time Virginia tech had a 100 yard rusher and receiver in the same game was the 2021, 2016 to win 
26 to 17 win against Georgia Tech. Malachi Thomas had 103 rushing yards that day. Trey Turner had 187 receiving yards that day. That was actually the last game Trey Turner played for Virginia Tech. Because I remember he got hurt in that game. He had the uh, like a weird like throat bubble or something. Bubble, air bubble. Yeah, Yeah. strange. I remember us talking to him after the game because we were interviewing him because he had a huge game and he was talking and all of a sudden his voice was doing this weird stuff. It's like, I don't know what's going on with my voice. And sure enough, that was like the first signs of something like that was happening. I don't think strange. Tech ever really figured that out. Like I even remember like Fuente saying on like a Tech Talk Live that like our medical staff that we've never heard of anything like that. Basically. It was where he drove to Miami. He actually, no, he played after that because he played at Miami. Right, that's drove, right. He right. Away to Miami. He got hurt at Miami, though. Right, right. And it was like, did he re-injured? Did he do something else to it? Yeah. So, I mean, I remember the dedication that. to drive all to the drive way down there Miami. and then get injured yeah. again and not be able to play in that. It's, mm. wasn't, and he play? actually did play in the UVA game. I think he recovered an onside kick at okay. the end. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think Hands he played team. one snap in that game. Yep. J.C. Price coached that game at Miami, too. That was that's right. That was the first one. Uh, that was yeah. on interim basis. One of the first ones at Post Fuente. Yeah, I think that. I think that was, he coached two games, right? Miami, yeah, the Miami game was the first one after Fuente. Yep, yep. Because the Duke game was in between those, I, I think. Yes, or somewhere in. That's in between the game those. where Raheem Blackshear only got two carries. One one day I'll get over that. <laughs> Probably not today though. <laughs> Andy, you want to hit us uh, with uh, with another one here? Well, I mentioned this before. Virginia Tech's last game six, with six hundred yards of total offense, the twenty eighteen loss uh, at ODU. <laughs> Exactly, exactly 600. 600. Yeah, I, I was like, you know, you're writing the game story at the end. You're like, are they going to get the 600 in this game? Then Pop Watson had that run at the very end. It's like, what, what's the total? How did they get to 600 on the dot? So it's nice when you're writing. It's like, all right, it's a nice clean number, six yeah. bills to put into a story. It almost the, sounds like unreal, though. Like when you read it, you're like, no way. They only they had 600 on the dot, like not 601, not 598, you know? Yeah, Um. I, I you know, if you're sitting there at 599, you're like, Find a way to give them an extra yeah, yard yeah, on yeah. one of those it plays. Right? Generous spot but that, that's the first time since 1993 that Tech put up 600 yards on the road against a Power Five opponent, and they, that was the Pitt game when they had 675 yards. And a very similar game, like Tech, they ran for 500 yards against Pitt. Maurice DeShazo had a line pretty similar to Drones. 10 of 15 for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Just not a lot of passing, but the passing game was extremely efficient because of how well the, the running game went. So you can play well on the road at Pitt. Apparently. That wasn't Heinz Field. Back in the, yeah, that was wasn't Heinz Field. Pre-Acrisure <laughs> pre <laughs> <Yep>. Stadium. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, Chris, how about you skip to the bottom for us? We're going to save those mm. handful in the middle for uh, our NC State preview coming up on Thursday, but uh, let's, let's round us out here. I will read this whole paragraph. Tech has yet to finish a game this season with a score in the 20s. The last time they finished a season without a score in the 20s was 1948. In that season, they were shut out the first five games and scored seven points in each of their four remaining games. Also of note, there are eight other FBS teams that have not scored in the 20s this season. SMU, Mississippi State, Penn State, Washington, Oregon, Air Force, Boise State, and Arkansas State. So you're either getting like totally shut down off yeah. offensively or you're just dropping teams kind of like the run defense some of those are not like the others i think washington and oregon penn state either gets shut down by penn state which just fired his offensive coordinator yes, mississippi did. state james which franklin just fired their head coach james franklin goes through offensive coordinators like oh my god yeah, like tic tacs like it's one every year they're just out of there it's it's amazing they yeah. it, it, it's it, this is a complete side note but it like literally baffles me how they do not win the big game 
game. They're really, really good. And then they just are so, so shut down against Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, they, they, they can't quite get the X's and O's right on offense, I yeah. don't think. Yeah, they, they had Moorhead, but they also had two awesome players, you know, a great running back and a great quarterback. But uh, they just haven't quite been able to, to get over the hump. They're the third most talented team in that league. So they're, they're the consummate. We're going to beat every team that we have more talent than and lose to both teams who out-talent us. It's probably how a lot of SEC teams feel about Alabama, Georgia. It's like when those top two are so good, so consistently good, uh, that's got to drive you crazy. Crazy, crazy. After the loss on Saturday, Franklin is now a combined 4-16 and against both Michigan and Ohio State during his decade-long stint in Happy Valley. That's uh, Sounds about right. That's, uh, that's kind of wild right there. Um, Final thoughts on football before we turn the page here and talk talk a little bit of hoops. Unfortunately, we started on such a high, and now we're going to drop down a little bit here. But let's get the final thoughts on football uh, before we preview NC State on Thursday. It's funny. Um, I, I know a guy who is basically a Hall of Fame coach in the state of Virginia at the high school level. And I asked him before the season. He knows Tech's personnel and coaching staff very, very well. I asked him before the season, how many games do you think Tech will win? And he said seven. He texted me back after the Marshall game and said, I'm revising my pick three or four wins, which is pretty much we all we said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. podcast dedicated to that. And then, <laughs> and then he texted me back uh, during the Boston College game and said, I think my original prediction is going to turn out to be right. And I think there's a, I think Tech has a strong chance to get to seven wins this year. NC State, they're going to bring in a Louisville-level defense next weekend. They're also going to bring in a Syracuse-level offense. Um, I think that's a very winnable game. That might be the first time Tech scores in the 20s next week. You you should know (laughs) that they put up 379 yards of offense this past week, and Brennan Armstrong had a 93 offensive PFF grade. Yeah, you got to love that it's going to be in lane. I think if it's in Raleigh, you're really looking at a different— This team plays very well in lane this year. Yeah, they they do. Um, And Brennan Armstrong— you know, he hadn't had the greatest passing game, but they only have one good receiver, and he can really run. Like, he dominated on the ground this past week against Wake Forest. Like, for, I would, I feel worse about the game with Brennan Armstrong than I do with Morris because Morris averaged 0.5 yards per carry. He couldn't run, and, he's, and you're not going to beat Tech through the air, but you can beat him on the ground. Mm-hmm. Brennan Armstrong is a worse matchup for Virginia Tech. I still think Tech will probably win at home. And I like it at home. I, and I think they'll beat UVA. So that's my thought right now is this looks like it's a decent chance it's going to be a 7-5 and five team. Of course, if everything goes, it's also capable of being a 5-7 and seven team if, like, everything goes wrong. <laughs> but So that was my question for you. Is that 7 wins including the bowl or pre-bowl? Well, pre-7-5, regular seven season. Five. There we go. Yeah, and, and military bowl seems to really fancy the Hokies right now. Always. They always, always. fancy the Hokies. If they have an opportunity, they will jump all over them. Uh, I think the closing point on this uh, BC win is I felt like Virginia Tech just had an aggressive mindset from the very start. I mean, aggressive play on the first play of the game. They were going to go for it on fourth down, down near the goal line there. They did go for it on fourth down a couple times. They kept running it and just you know pounding it straight at BC. They did that onside kick, which we didn't even mention. Yeah, uh, no, we I didn't even mention that. Perfect, That's my fault. As perfect the timing. Perfect execution. Uh, you know, Jalen Jones has been uh, you know, a lot of negative talk about his defensive play, but he was great on that special teams. Darted out there, got a per- perfect placement by Kyle Lowe oh, yeah. uh, to get it just over 10 yards when they recovered it. I thought there was an attitude 
that they had th- throughout that entire game. So we're going to be the aggressors in this game. We're going to keep going at them and, and, and not relent and let up. And, you know, start to finish, that's the way it was. And you look at the scoreboard, you go, man, how can you duplicate that? How can you play like that every week and have that mindset? So if they can get back to that, uh, I like their chances down the stretch here. Uh, you know, NC State. That is that's a legit defense, though. They're not going to be able. They're not going to be running free through the uh, you know open holes like they were uh, against Boston College this and, week. And it's an odd front defense, which is the type of defense that was giving Tech a lot of trouble earlier in the season. Shout out to Stu Holt for that play design on the onside kick. I met his mom at PKs on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, everything goes down at the Blacksburg bars. That's where you hear the information is flowing yeah. all over the place. Seriously, what do you got, David? Uh, I know. I'm I'm sure you Geo you know what this is and I know Andy knows what this is, the uh, the did we really get beat that bad <laughs> chart? Yeah. Virginia Tech is the fifth to the right, so fifth best win. You know what it is the the one right in front of Virginia Tech this week? Texas A and M. Yeah, that was that was a butt kicking. <laughs> Game uh, over. The other the other thing I want to say is, um, yeah, obviously you two are now one ahead of Will and I in the picks because I went against the grain and picked Boston College. And I did I did so because Tech had yet to prove that it could win on the road. And after, you know, obviously reading what Andy wrote, editing it, um, you know, just listening to how Tech got the this coaching staff and everybody got the team fired up, they did what they had to do. And that is a good sign. And, um, you know, I picked against Tech because had, Tech hadn't won on the road this year. Happy to be proven wrong. Um, that is a, like you kind of, Chris, what you wrote yesterday, another step forward in terms of, you know, now Virginia Tech, can you go win maybe a close game? Tech has not won a close game yet this year. Um, Beat a good defense. Yes. yes. Can you do it against Correct. a good defense? Yes. You got yep. that and, chance and, uh, this Chris, weekend. Chris, as you wrote, Yesterday, in terms of SP plus ratings, or maybe it was Andy, uh, NC State's the best team Tech will have. If Tech beats NC State, Tech will, NC State will be the best team Tech has beaten. Probably so, by a mile too. Yeah, right? this, this is a this is a big test. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing about this week, and it was a great win. BC, you go by the SP plus, worse than Syracuse, Wake Forest, and uh, Pitt. So mm-hmm. uh, this wouldn't have ranked very high. I mean, I know they're bull eligible. I know they had won five straight. That was a team that had some issues under the hood if you if you looked at a lot of the stats. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, you took a step forward. You won a ball game on the road, and uh, nevertheless, a fun one at that. Always fun to watch your team hang 48 on anybody. It doesn't really matter who you're playing, especially, though, when it's a conference game on the road. You'll definitely take that. Two more left, NC State, and then, uh, of course, got to play that community college up north uh, as well a couple Saturdays from now. Let's talk a little bit of hoops, gentlemen. We'll start with the women's side Thursday night. David, you can attest to this. Unbelievable atmosphere set up just to see not only women's basketball, but specifically Virginia Tech women's basketball in that spotlight uh, on national television. It just felt like such a big game, really a Final Four-type atmosphere. Despite the loss, it, it was a lot of fun and really, really well done by everybody that made the uh, ally tip-off uh, happen. Yeah, and I thought both coaches attested to it afterwards. I mean, these were two teams that played in the Final Four last year, and Kenny Brooks and Lisa Bluter both said, yeah, this atmosphere rivals the Final Four, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I, I think what we'll put it in perspective a little bit for me, la- the, me was that the next night Virginia Tech played it in the, the same arena, the men. 
and the there was not a I mean there was nowhere close to even half as many fans mm-hmm. as the night before. There was not an open seat in the lower bowl for that women's game. Um and I tell you what, after that first quarter, like I think the price admission had already been paid. Uh, Caitlin Clark had a a huge first quarter. Georgia Amor obviously um she hit that that three or the half court shot, I should say, at the end of the first quarter. Clark had had seven, had hit a three. Amor had eleven, had hit three threes. Um, you know, they combined for Clark had forty four, eight and six. Amor had thirty one uh, and three. Um, you know, Kitley had sixteen and six. Most of that came in the in the fourth quarter, but um, but Amor and Clark, like people came to watch them. Obviously, a lot of people want to 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 watch Caitlin Clark, and she had another triple double yesterday against Northern Iowa. Um, yes, she had a forty point game, but you know most of her points, thirteen of her points came from the free throw line. That's yep. where she she got most of her production. You take out the thirteen points, and she and Georgia Amor have the same points. Five of fourteen from beyond the arc for Clark. Four, five of sixteen. Five of sixteen. And this worse. was a you know, and I think um, in terms of the. In terms of the game itself, um, there's not a lot of negatives to take away from this game. I think, yes, if you're Virginia Tech, you would have liked to win the game, obviously. Um, but you learn a lot about your team. You know, this is one of the best teams in the country. You are also one of the better teams in the country. You lose by four points at an, on a neutral site where the best player in the nation goes off for 44. She has her ninth 40-point game of her career. Tech got into foul trouble. That hurt. Obviously, and yes, you can p- complain about the refs all you want. I-, I will say this to Caitlin Clark's credit, you know, and she admitted this after the game. We knew how they were calling the game, and so I attacked the rim. And I think there were a couple calls that probably could have gone the other way. But if the refs are going to call it one way, and and you can get those calls, I think it's kind of more power to you. And um, you know, I think I think the one egregious call was when she kind of like lowered her shoulder a little bit against Carly Wenzel. Yeah. Um, but I thought we saw some bright spots from Tech. Carly Wenzel played very, very well. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's a redshirt freshman. That's her second ever game. And at times she had to guard Caitlin Clark. And she was perfect from the floor. Yeah, Carly she, she played very, very well. Georgia Amor delivered. Um, you know, I think obviously it gives Tech a lot to work on. Um, and Tech has, uh, we, we're recording this on Monday. Tech has one game or two games this week. Then next week we'll go down to Cayman Islands and play Kansas, the WNIT champs and Tulane. He went to the WNIT and then they got LSU the following week. <whistles> two, two games, two tune up games this week, but you learn a lot from your team after playing in a big game like that. Just how kids perform under the lights. I thought, I thought we saw a lot from Karis Baker uh, a little bit. Clara Strack came in and played a little bit. I would like to see her play more. Olivia Sumiel, um, even Matilda Eck and Kayla King, like didn't have their best games, but now you know, you know these types of games. You don't like to play them, as Kenny Brooks said, but playing them now gives you a real good sense of what your team has the potential to look like if it gets better. You, you see this and go, man, they can compete on the biggest stage. If we get this much better, we'll be able to win a game like this come March when it matters. Yeah, no doubt about it. I thought it was so telling to halftime. Caitlin Clark and Georgia Amor each had 18 points, and you just kind of sat back and were like, this was like the national championship last year. We wanted one, but two, it was like it, it didn't disappoint. You got the two premier players. I know Kit Lee, two-time player of the year. By the way, I think 
Georgia might win the thing this year, ACC player of the year, which is crazy. crazy. Like to you know, they're. I tell you, I tell you what. um, If I had to pick my top three players in the conference after the first week, it would be Amor Tania Latson from Florida State. She's a baller. Yes, and then Sonia Rivers from NC State. She had thirty, ten, and ten. NC State beat UConn by ele- by ten or eleven yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday it yeah. was she was on fire. But I I think honestly, like you know, and, and I I look at I look at Kitley. You know, she had sixteen and sixteen. She scored ten points in the fourth quarter. She scored Tech's first two buckets, and then basically wasn't there for, yes. for half the game. Yes, and, and that's when I say there's. 30-something games between now and, and March when Tech will play another big-time as big time game on a big stage like that in terms of a NCAA tournament game. Obviously, you want to win games between now and then, but um, there's a lot of time to correct stuff, and I think one of the biggest things is you got to get Kitley more involved. And Iowa did a great job defending her. They fronted her put somebody behind her, made it really, really tough for her to do anything. Good, um, Goodman in particular made rebounding incredibly difficult. I yeah, think. and I think, uh, you you know, you look at Iowa, nobody else did anything crazy spectacular. Gabby Marshall, the you know, she had zero points, played 38 minutes, defended Amor very, very well. Back-to-back games, Gabby Marshall had zero points for Iowa, which is yeah. kind of unlike them. Really. Yeah, but... but She's a defender, and yeah. she defended, and she 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 made life. I mean, Georgia Amor scored thirty one points, and probably the most you know, that's her career high. Probably the most difficult thirty one points Georgia Amor's ever scored in her career in any level of basketball. I mean, just the way Gabby Marshall defended her, um, and you know, Iowa got uh, Sydney uh, F. Alter had fourteen rebounds off the bench. I thought that was huge. Um, you know, this is a this is a game that Virginia Tech can learn from, and I think that's the biggest thing. Again, you would have liked to win, but it was a great crowd, great showing, great for women's basketball. Um, you know, I think it. I think going up against NFL and college football, it got like six hundred thousand viewers, which isn't you know for a a a slot where you're facing two really big sporting events, not terrible. Um, you know, they're going to, once football season's over, I think they're going to be a lot of really good uh, women's basketball games on. I know they're, obviously the NC State UConn game was on yesterday too. So really good women's basketball week uh, just all around. Absolutely. Let's uh, turn the page. Let's talk about the men's basketball team. Disappointing one, uh, really, to, to put it bluntly, against South Carolina. Final score, 79-77. to 77. Gamecocks took it in Charlotte. Initial thoughts, how how devastating is this? It just felt like one of those just because South Carolina was not a very good basketball team last year that it wasn't going to help a ton of you won it. You were kind of supposed to win it, but it can hurt you when you get to the, the quad system later on come NCAA tournament time. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily that you win or you lose at this point. It's how you look and, and, and you try to project forward. And Tech's still got plenty of time to improve and things like that. But my general thought is, watching this team two, through two games is obviously they're very well coached when you can have 29 assists on 32 made baskets. But then when you face a team that is actually big enough and athletic enough to hit back, you still can't play defense. Still can't play defense. And I think with 10 minutes left in that game, South Carolina was shooting 
or, so, or something yeah. like that. I mean, it was just, and that's not good enough. And I know fans didn't like Wabisa Beatty because he couldn't shoot. I know a lot of them were ready to run Naheem Aline off because he was an inconsistent shooter. But Tech played defense with those guys. And they, and they won, they went to the NCAA tournament with those guys. And when Tech won the ACC is because they had two lockdown defenders in the backfield, Couture and Naheem Aline. And now they just have one, Couture, and they played him 40 minutes the other night when he was banged up, like he was limping in the second half, and yeah. they still kept him out there for 40 minutes, and I don't think you can do that. There's just not enough good defenders on this team. I don't think there's anything wrong schematically with Mike Young's defense. I, I just think as they've steadily through the years lost defensive talent, they haven't been able to replace it. And a lot of times, like, he recruits guys who are fit for his offensive system. Sometimes that means – like, he wouldn't have recruited Tyrese Radford. He wouldn't have recruited Wabi Sabidi because they weren't fits for his offensive system. Yet they helped Virginia Tech win a lot of basketball games because they were excellent defenders. Sometimes being a fit for his offensive system is not necessarily conducive to being a good defender. And so it means you're going to have you have to score a lot of points. You can't have an eight or nine minute drought like Tech had shooting the ball the other night. Um, uh, historically, Mike Young's teams at Wofford, they were far ahead offensively and offensive efficiency ratings than they were, you know, defensive efficiency ratings. And I think his early teams at Tech were better, historically better defensive teams than his Wofford teams because he inherited elite defenders, you know, like Wabisa Beatty, um, but, or Tyrese Radford and Tyrese Radford. But as time has gone on and it's his own players in the program, the only elite defender is Hunter Couture, and the defensive numbers are steadily dropping. So that's something I've got my eye on. And I don't know, they just don't look have the look of you know, they had they had Basili in the front court last year. I know he, he got off to kind of a slow start, but they don't have the look of anybody in the front court this year being as dynamic as him. Yeah. So it just disappointed with the not being as good defense and it's just one game but I just I'm I, I'm less optimistic than I was before not that he was gonna be but I, I think it's fair to say through two games maybe it's not fair to say Robbie Barron is not Grant Bazzilli uh, well uh no well he we didn't expect him to he averaged seven points a game right. last year and he, no, he, he hit got, seven on the dot in this game against South well, Carolina and he, he got one three he got yeah, he got taken out because he came down the court and jacked up a three with 25 seconds on the shot clock yeah. and 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 yeah heat check after hitting one right by the way. yeah exactly and and I I think so that part of it's going to get better you know, there's guys adjusting to the system and everything like that. But the main thing to me is, like, I don't think there's enough good defensive players on this team. And ultimately, you've got to do both. And, I, you know, I think, you know, I know people are going to want to talk about Rodney Rice. But we don't know if Rodney Rice would even be playing right now because he had mono. And he wasn't, like, he was held out in the preseason. Like, he was not cleared for physical contact. So we don't know if like Rodney Rice would have been the difference the other night or not, because we don't know if he would have been allowed to play medically. Um, so you can only play with the guys you have. And I was a little bit surprised that uh, Young didn't play after I thought he played pretty well in his debut. But you, you, you can't you can't be out there playing Hunter Couture 40 minutes in a basketball game, that, that, especially when he's banged. He was banged up a couple times. He's limping the game. whole game, it yeah, felt like. Yeah, you, you know, so... Uh, I, I'm. It's just one game. Yeah, but I, I just don't quite see the pieces, personally. What do you got, David? I got a lot of thoughts. Um, first of all, Tech is 
in term, Chris, you mentioned offensive and defensive efficiency. Ken Palm has Tech 16th in offensive efficiency, mm-hmm. 141st in defensive efficiency. So that right. tells you how lopsided it is. Um, we Rob, my my thing, my my biggest question from the game was Robbie Barron, um, because I tell you what, the thing that impressed me the most was Sean Padula. 26, 9, and 5. Yeah, his rebounding. I mean, when you score 26, is great. But when your point he guard had, has nine he rebounds. He had nine rebounds. He had, he had the most rebounds for either team. And he tied for the second most assists for either team. I'm going to I'm gonna break in here with the line. Jamon Gordon, a 6'3 guard, once got 16 rebounds mm-hmm. in a game for Virginia Tech. And he's on the post-game radio show. And he's saying, and, and he's reading this stat line with Mike Burnup, and he goes, man, 16 rebounds. If I was in high school and a guard got 16 rebounds, the coach would be making the big men run laps. And that's kind of how I feel after this game. It's like Sean Padula is even smaller than Jamon Gordon. Like He's listed at 6'1". Maybe that was uh, Clemson 2006. Yeah and, he, yeah, and I think he had another game that year against Florida State when he had like 13 or 14 rebounds. Uh, Wake Forest 14? Yeah, there you go. And uh Full credit to Padula for getting nine rebounds, but if you're if you're a tech big man in this game, you have to look at that and say, our point guard shouldn't be getting nine rebounds. It should be us, you know, yeah. getting those. Nine I mean, to rebounds. be fair, Lincoln Kidd had six. He did. Yeah. yeah um, but, yep. And Robbie Barron, I don't think and Robbie Robbie Barron had one in eighteen minutes. Not great. Malaysia yeah. Bolte had one. Um, uh, there are, I, I have a lot of thoughts from this game in terms of like. Sean Padula is great. Sean Padula is going to carry this team. And it's going, you know, he, he, Sean Padula is playing the best basketball of his career at Virginia Tech. Tech needs to surround him with the right pieces. Hunter Couture playing 40 minutes is tough. Um, But I think Mike Young looks at his bench and goes, like, like, I don't, my guess is he doesn't trust Brandon Recksteiner or Jaden Young to be able to lock down defenders. He played Tyler Nickel a lot. I was surprised as, about how little MJ Collins played, how little Robbie Barron played. Those guys played 18 minutes, less than five in the second half. Um, you and know, they're both starters. Robbie Barron's a guy Mike Young brought in to play defense. So, I, 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 and I look at that and I go, all right, I understand he jacked up a three and that might not be what you wanted, but was it, you know, I, I guess he, I know he got like beat once or twice on the defensive end. I, I mean, if if he's a guy you brought in to play defense and he can't play defense, that's bad. And and, and same thing with NBA Collins. You know, Mike Young mentioned that um, he challenged MJ Collins to be able to guard the other team's best defender. He wasn't quite there yet. That he has not tasked MJ Collins with doing that yet. But MJ Collins barely played. And, and I look at this and go. Okay, I was impressed with Lynn Kidd and Melangeau Boutique. They combined for 21 points, seven rebounds. They were all right. Poteet seemed a little porous defensively, I thought. Yeah, but but I think that's the team as a whole. I think there were there were Fair. a lot I think there were a lot of times where the a a guy drove into the lane by the first guy and there was no help. And I think I think Tech's defensive rotation just is not very good right now. Just just the way they're complementing each other, um, and I, I, I that's the biggest problem. You know, Tech Tech finished fifty percent for the game, and it didn't help that that Tech shot thirty seven percent. 
two of 14 from three in the first half. Tech hits one more three. It's a different game. Like, and, and, and so I, I think like this was a much, this is a, I don't want to say it's a bad result. South Carolina is going to be much, much better. South Carolina was picked 14th in the SEC. South Carolina is not going to finish 14th in the SEC. This is a team that probably will make at least the NIT, if not have a chance to be a bubble team for the NCAA tournament if it continues to play like this. this BJ Mack's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think like Miles Studi and um, you know, Mack is a force inside. Um Miles Studi and Talon Cooper, I mean, they got they've got experience. And I think that was Mike Young's big thing is like you know, Talon Cooper, he played for Minnesota last year against Virginia Tech. Mike Young knows how experienced these guys are. And he's he was worried, I think, if he throws Brandon Recksteiner or Jaden Young out, he's throwing them to, against guys that have five years of basketball on them. At times, you might have to make that sacrifice. Mike Young didn't want to do it there. Um, I, I think defense, you got to fix the defense. And... Um, I think it has to get better. I think Barron is maybe a key to that. I was impressed with Makai Long. I thought Tyler Nickel was okay. Didn't really do much. There are a lot of question marks with this team. They go down to Orlando next week. They're going to play three really good teams. We'll know then what this team, what kind of the potential this team has this year. Well, the cool thing is opportunities in front for the Hokies. The men's basketball team plays Campbell on Wednesday, 6 p.m. tip inside Castle Coliseum. The women's team back in action again. That's Thursday night, 6 p.m. tip against Houston Christian inside the castle. Well, that wraps things up for today. It's been episode 329 of the Tech Sideline podcast. You also got football on Saturday. Stay tuned. We're going to do a triumph spotlight coming up with uh, Dante Lovett. That'll come out on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, Pod, before we let everyone go, what do you guys have coming up this week? Anything in particular? We'll have our normal week of content. I'll do an inside the numbers. Um, I, I guess I guess it's normal media stuff. Mailbag week. Yeah. I'll, I'll be doing nice. normal. Week, yeah. We'll see who we get again. I mean, it's Monday. They never tell us to the last second. They switched it up a little bit last week, yeah. so uh, never can tell. But. Uh, my, my timing on some things and posting of articles might be a little different because I have to go back to Danville in a little while and spend the night and I'll be back tomorrow afternoon, but gotcha. it'll still all, all be done or almost all done. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you guys on Thursday as we'll preview NC state and talk some more hoops for the upcoming weekend. But for now, for Nick Brown, for David Cunningham, for Andy Bitter, for Chris Coleman, I'm Giovanni heater saying so long from Blacksburg and we'll see you on Thursday.